We continue with our series on Colossians. I'm going to recommend a couple of books as you turn to the book of Colossians, if you've got a Bible with you. Um, by the way, I'm Matt Beanie, if you don't know. I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church, if you're a visitor. It's lovely to, to see you. I'm going to recommend a couple of books before I start. Um, straightforward books about Jesus coming again and about the book of Revelation, which, if you've read it, is anything but straightforward. Okay? So, there's this book called, it sounds like a rock band, The Lamb, the Beast and the Devil. That was a joke. It's quite funny, actually. Um, the Lamb, the Beast and the Devil, because they are, obviously, big fe- they feature very big in the book of Revelation. If you want to know anything about if you don't know about the book of Revelation, don't worry about it. But it's the last book of the Bible. Um, great book by John Hosier. Another John Hosier book here, which is called The End Times. We'll just um, give you a very uh, good overview of different perspectives, a very fair overview of different perspectives, and help you to understand more about what Christians believe about Jesus coming again. So two books there, which you could order from the resource area at the end. So we continue this morning with our um, series on the book of Colossians. We've entitled this series, Live Your Life. And uh, it's my sincere desire is that you would live your life. You would use your time for the very best ends. You want to do that? You want to do that, don't you, with your life? You want to live your life and, and all the moments of your life to the very best ends. And the very best ends are always the glory of God. Aren't they? That's the best ends that we can put our time to. And Jesus said it himself. Seek first the kingdom of God, didn't he? And all these things, money, wealth, possessions, the things that you will need will be given to you as well. But seek first his kingdom, his kingship over your life. And really, so therefore live your life, guys. I'm not going to knock that water over this morning, okay? I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so, I'm going to read to you from verses 18 to 23 of Colossians chapter 1. And the title of my preach is, and I've stolen it from a book called The Mission of God. The Mission of God. Okay, and let's read it. I've got the wrong verses there. He is the image of the invisible God. Paul spoke on this last week. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. How many things? All things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's all about Jesus. Once you were alienated from God 
and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, his death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusations. That's God's will that you're holy, that I'm holy. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard, that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I'm particularly reading from verses, preaching this morning from verses 18 down, where it talks about being the head of the church downwards. And my, as I said, the title of my preach this morning is The Mission of God. And God's mission, God's purpose, God's will, God's long-term plan is to restore all things. You might have noticed that the world is slightly broken. You might have noticed that you are slightly broken. Your physical body, your minds sometimes. Your life can be filled with great joys and great sorrows. We can read in the news of great disasters. The world is broken. But it's God's mission to fix and to restore all things through Jesus. Right? That's where it's going. All things renewed. All things restored. All things perfected. That's where it's going. And if you're a Christian, that's where you're going. You're going to be perfected, you're going to be restored, you're going to be renewed, and you're going to live in a new heavens and a new earth and enjoy God forever. You'll see his glory and it'll be amazing. Amen. Let's go home. That's kind of, that's kind of my preach this morning, all right? The mission of God, to restore all things. God has a mission, is my first point. God has a mission. I think so often we can... Religion can be like an addendum, a, a, a tag-on. It's something we have, like a good luck charm. It's like, I'm living my life, but I've got a God as well. I've got a God, and he's going to help me live this life. And uh, a bit like a good luck charm, you know. It's all about my, my will, really, but I'm going to attach a God to give me some good luck. It's going to make it go better for me if I have a God of some sort. Maybe superstition and so on. But I want to say to you this morning, God has a will. And you are made in his image. Any of you, all of you are made in God's image. You are the most like God out of all the things on the earth. Where do you see God most? Is it over the Victoria Falls? Is it on the African plain? Is it some beautiful scenery? Is it some beautiful rainbow? Some awesome storm? No. You reflect the glory of God more than anything else on earth. We need to be amazed at ourselves and at one another. That's who you are. Made in the image of God. You have purpose. You have value. God created you in his image. It's amazing. But just like you, remember, you are a bit like God. You're a bit like God. But God is like you, but more so and perfected and glorious and eternal and, and, and 
amazing, beyond searching out. So you have a, do you not have a wheel? You have favourite colours, right? You have favourite colours? You have favourite football teams? I'm not saying God has a favourite football team. I'm just trying to make the point. You have a wheel, right? You look quite sleepy this morning. Favourite football team? Do you have a favourite football team? No. Who doesn't have a favourite football team? So you have a wheel, right? You think football is just kicking a bag of wind around, don't you? And you would be right. It is just a bag of wind. <laughs> so you have wheels. You're the sort of house you live in. The sort of place you'd like to live if you could live there. You have a desire. It's okay. You have favourite foods. I love curry. Amen. Yes, I haven't heard of that sort of curry. The amen curry. Yes, curry. Spicy. Really spicy. Fresh chilies thrown in. Extra fresh chilies, please. I really want it hot. That's me. My will. That's what I like. And God has a will. God has a will. God has a, God has a perspective on things. We live in a day, don't we, where we say things like this. God, God can't like things like that because I don't like things like that. In other words, what we tend to do is make God in our image. You've heard this before, maybe. We make God in our image. Well, no, we can't possibly do that because the way we raise our children, I'm not going to start talking about it this morning because that comes out another week. The way we raise our children, oh, no, we can't do it. like God wouldn't want that because I wouldn't want that. And therefore, we make God in our shape rather than allow God to shape us through his word by the Spirit. And that's a sort of um, culture that we live in where our will is paramount. It's our will that is paramount. We've come a long way. We've come a long way as a nation. Now, I know that in the past we had a lot of religiosity, in other words, church attendance, but also there was an awful lot more, I believe, of God-fearing in our nation. I was quite interesting to, um, as an aside, just listen to, um, I was listening, watching Meridian News, and it was talking about the, uh, the celebration of the 80th anniversary of the 70th, even, of the Dunkirk, that's the place, that's the one. And it was incredible. You know, they said they had bad weather both sides. And then Churchill, I think, said, let's have a week of prayer. Is that right? As a nation. And they prayed. I mean, you know, and, and apparently the weather was amazing. Incredible. And there was, how many, I think it was three quarters of a million people. 360,000. That'd be like a third of a million, wouldn't it? You, Steve, you're amazing. And... Um, but what I'm saying is, the presenter said, by f- he said this, Churchill called a week of prayer, and then by some fluke, it was, um, the, the weather just amazingly got calm. If it hadn't, oh, there would have been disaster. And I just thought, I mean, I was sitting there going, I wanted to kick the TV, you know, that wouldn't be very godly either. But, <laughs> it would be godly to kick the TV. I'm just saying, you know, we as a nation tend to think that our will and our perspective and our ways are central. And I think that's come a long way from what the Bible terms. What, what mankind is designed to have God at the centre. And you're never satisfied until you've got God at the centre. You're not satisfied and you do yourself damage if you don't have God at the centre. God has a mission. He has a will. 
for our lives. He has a will for mankind. He has desires. He has ambitions. So often our will, what's our compass in life? Our compass tends to be what I like. Whereas what God says, God, God has a will and his will needs to become our perspective. I, read, I, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago from verses 9 to 10. I said, Paul said this in, in Colossians. He said, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, in other words, you've become Christians, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will. God wants you to know his will. He wants you to do his will. It's best for you if you do his will. Do you want to be happy? Come on. You want to be happy, don't you? I want to be happy. I think sometimes... I'm sure you're not as religious as me, but sometimes we can think, oh no, I couldn't say I want to be happy. That would be like wrong, wouldn't it? Christians can't say I want to be happy. Yes, you can. God wants you to be happy, right? When God made the world, it was good. <laughs> when he made mankind in, world, in the in world, he said it was very good. Joy. God wants you happy. And if, if, and if God's not at the centre of your life, you're going to miss that joy and you're going to miss that happiness. Because that's what God wants for you. God at the centre of your life. That will bring you most joy. You may be thinking, oh, no, no, religion's going to bind me up, you know. It's going to make my life miserable. That is a lie. It's a lie. According to Scripture, you're made in the image of God to know him, and when you follow him, when you serve him, then you are most content, and you will live the most satisfied life. You will really live your life. So God has a will, and throughout history, God has made his will clear. He's made his will known. I could turn to tons of scripture. The whole Bible is about God's will. God revealing his will. And if I was to give you a summary of uh, the the meta-narrative, as it were, of the Bible, it's this. God's created man to be in relationship with him. Man has fallen. Man has sinned, fallen and rebelled against God, God the Son, has come into the world to restore that relationship with God. And then God the Son will come again to restore the heavens and the earth and creation. So the original creation which was made good and very good will at the end of time be made good and very good with mankind living on the earth in relationship with God and there will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more... No more grief. That's good news. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Not just that Jesus died so I can be forgiven. It's so you can live forever with God, forever in his perfected place. God has a will. And God's will is that you know him and you live there. That's God's will for you. He loves you. He wants you there. He wanted you there so much, he descended from heaven to earth and suffered and died for you so you can be there paying the price for you to be there so God has a will that's my first point God's will God's mission is to fulfill all sorry to restore all things my second point is this God's mission as I've just said is to restore all things let's look at this in a bit more detail things were created in harmony If you read through the book of Genesis, the beginnings, the word Genesis, the beginnings, it talks about things being made good. And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. And then he made man. 
And then after that, he said, it is very good. Do you know, when God looks at you, he sees a fallen, but still he sees a reflection of himself. Have you ever looked into the face of, if you've got children or and you look into their face, and with my own children, I look into them and I can see something of myself, something of my wife, something of my father, something of my mother, something of the family resemblance. And something about that just comes back at me. And I want the very best for them. And when God looks at you, the family resemblance comes back at him. And you know who, I've said this before, and this may confuse you, God most loves himself, because he is most lovely. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Eternal Trinity in relationship. Eternal, is it, adoring one another. So therefore, when he chose to create man... What he looks at in man, when he made him originally perfect and good, he saw an image of himself. I'm making you in my image. And therefore, when God looks at you, he's looking at a reflection of himself, and he, he is enjoying his own glory in you. I hope that makes sense. And God's will is that you become increasingly more and more and more and more like Jesus. Your original goodness being restored and renewed. So God made all things in harmony, but disharmony has affected all of creation. Every part of creation, the furthest reaches of the universe have been affected by the fall, by sin entering the world. You will have experienced the fall you will have experienced the disharmony that has come into the world. These are some of the results of what we call the fall, the disharmony that is in the world. Pain in childbirth. I've never experienced that. I bet you have, some of you, haven't you? Right? Part of the curse on creation is increased pain in childbirth. Toil and hard work. Really, make it, work is so much harder than it was originally made to be. Relational breakdown. Murder. Tensions between men and women. Break, break, breakdown. Rebellion to God. Rebellion to God. Disease. Death. Those are the things, and and you could just keep going on. Everything has been affected by the fall and sin in in, in this world. Everything. If you've ever had a computer that's got a virus, you've gone on some... I I don't understand something, why they do this sort of thing. Do do you? They write viruses to sort of mess up your computers. I don't get it. I guess it's, it's modern day graffiti, I suppose. I don't know. But it gets into your computer, and it ruins it, right? It ruins everything all parts of it, if it's, a, if it's a good one. And um, it's like that in, in, in our creation. 
The virus has entered. I, my, my talk this morning isn't to talk about the fall and, and, and all those things. I'm just telling you, disharmony has entered into creation. It's not its original goodness. It's not God's will that it's like this. As I've said to you, it's God's will, and he created it good, and he's going to recreate it good. It's not God's will that it's like this. And God's mission is to restore all things. I'm going to touch on a couple of things about restoring all things that we get from these verses. Firstly, I'm going to talk about the fact that God, in, in restoring all things, he's going to restore human beings, mankind. And I think there's a push, isn't there, nowadays, to, to see man as just an animal. He's one of the animals. He's part of the animal kingdom. Oh, yes, more, more brighter, but just a part of the animal kingdom. That's not how God... Called, when God created man, he didn't make him as part of the animal kingdom, he made him to rule in his image over the whole of creation. You are stewards of the earth. And you'll be stewards also of the new heavens and the new earth. You're going to live there and you're going to, I don't know, it doesn't give all the details, but you're going to have a life to live and you're going to do great things. But firstly then, a people restored, and I'm going to talk secondly about creation's going to be restored as well, heaven's and the earth. So firstly, a people restored. I'm going to read you again a couple of verses that I've just read, just to remind you. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, this is verse 13, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loved. Okay? So there's that sense of restoration, rescuing us. In verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. The idea of that is that when you become a Christian, you join this body. You join this, you come into God's, God's body. So that's a sense of restoring you. Verses 21 to 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. And I certainly I was. I used to argue against God. Enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. So you get that sense. He's restoring you. He's restoring mankind. He wants many, many people to be saved and to become Christians and to be restored to him. I, I, I was just thinking this through, this relationship between the head and the body, that it needs to be healthy, doesn't it? The, the relationship, if, if something happens in the relationship between the head and the body... Yeah? It will affect your body. If you get a neck injury, a spinal injury, nerves, nerve damage, you will, you will sense that in your body if there's a break between the two. And it's so important that there is a good relationship between the head and the body. Many people are living out there headless, if I can put it like that. Headless. They haven't got a healthy relationship. And it's God's will that you come into the head, come, come back to the head. Christopher Reeve, just a... Just a Make us, you know, many of you may know Christopher Reeve was, a, was the, the actor who played, amongst other things, Superman. One of my great heroes. But on the 27th of May 1995, he became a quadriplegic, having been thrown from his horse. And it's one of those awful instances, isn't it? And you're just like, oh, it's so very, very sad when things like that happened. He required a wheelchair and breathing apparatus for the rest of his life. 
And if you look at the way he lived, he lived to get his relationship between his head and body back. He was even prepared and pushed for embryonic stem cell research, if you know what that means. He was desperate, desperate to restore the relationship between the head and the body. And God wants your relationship with the head to be good. If I can put it in in those human terms, if you had a bad relationship between your head and your body, you would really want it restored. And I want to say to you, if if you don't know Jesus this morning, I hope you get the sense, it will be better for you to be linked to the head. And if you're a Christian this morning, it's better for you to be linked to the head and to be seeking his will and doing his will. It's best for you. It's the best thing. So he wants you restored to himself. There's so many things I could say, but I'm going to move on. But, that relationship between the head and the body, there's something miraculous that happens when you become a Christian that creates that relationship. And it's called being born again. Called being born again. To be a Christian, as I said before, is not to come to church, it's not to do religious things. It's to be made new. It's to be created. To have a new heart. To have new desires. And one of the first things he wants to do is raise you from the dead. And if you're a Christian, you have been raised from the dead. If I'm just going to turn to, refer back to verse 18 of chapter 1, he is the head of the body, so he's restored you to that, the firstborn over all creation. What does that mean? The firstborn over all So no, the firstborn from among the dead. That idea of firstborn. Firstborn. In other words, what it's saying is this. Jesus has risen from the dead. And he's the first one. And it's referring to the fact that at the end of time, just like Jesus rose from the dead bodily, he had what's called a resurrection body. His body was transformed So you too, at the end of history, will have a new body. Is that that good? I think that's going to be great. It's going to be better than you've ever experienced. It's going to be better. It's not going to be like going from a Ford to a, I don't know, Mercedes. Or from a Mercedes to a, I don't know, Ferrari. It's going to be an altogether different league. You're going to live forever in a new body. So he is the firstborn over all creation. He is going to restore your body. So he's restoring you to relationship with him in the head and the body, but he's also going to restore your body as well. He's going to make it new. You're not going to be disembodied spirits forever. You're going to live in a body that's going to be like yours. Your personality is going to be like yours as well. You may say, oh no, that's not, but a good one, you know, completely better. All great, really good, okay? All the good things that make you... And you know what? You all have good things. So, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You're made in the image of God. God has made you. You have great, great aspects to your personality that God wants to use. Sometimes those strengths can be our weaknesses, can't they? 
Yes? They can, can't they? Those people who like everything organised, I want everything organised. Those people who like things just to be a bit arty, a bit free-flowing, nothing's organised. Hey? God's going to bring all that personality to perfection. It's going to be great. We're going to live with him forever. So, restored relationship, you're going to have a restored body as well. It's going to be great. Just, and I'll read you these very important verses on this subject of a resurrection body. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits, okay? So the first ones, the first example of those who have fallen asleep. So for Christians, death, we call it, we should, going to sleep because it's temporary. Right? It's temporary. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, the first fruits, you, at the end of time, will rise from the dead. Just like, you say, well, but what about all... And I want to just add this as well. Um, as Christians, we don't have a particular preference on, or, at death, what you do with the body. Cremation or burial doesn't, it's not, doesn't feature in the Bible. It doesn't feature in Scripture at all. God is able to reform you. Adam was created from the dust of the earth. God is able to create you, recreate you, Okay? So, and he's going to do it as well. I'll just pick out a few verses. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you will be made alive. You will be made alive. Easter morning saw the dawning of what will happen to all of us at the end of time. Jesus rose from the grave in a new heavenly body, so when Jesus returns, we will have a new body. So we, God's will, is that we are restored. I said God's mission is to restore all things, and he's restoring you, your relationship with him, and at the end of time, your bodies as well. But he's also restoring creation. I read it in there. Heavens and the earth. He's restoring those things as well. I'll get to remind you of those verses. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself. You said it earlier? All things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus' mission was to restore all things. The stars will be restored. What? The The stars will be restored. Every speck of dust, every part of the created order has been affected by the fall and all things. So, so you, none of you have ever seen what the earth is meant to be like. You see a shadow and a ruin. None of you have ever seen what mankind is meant to be like. You've only seen a shadow and a ruin, though glorious it is. You know, creation is a wonderful place, but it's going to be awesome. And you will be awesome in it as well. He is creating the heavens, restoring rather, the heavens and the earth. Things on earth. I won't go into detail, I've said it already. The earth will be restored. Things in heaven. We're talking there about things like the stars, like the, like the atmosphere. But we're also talking about angelic things, the invisible things. Earlier on, we talked about Jesus creating the visible 
and the invisible. Now, in the invisible realm, the spiritual realm, there has been a rebellion also against God. You may have heard of the name of the devil and Satan that we believe in as a church. We also believe in the demonic spirits that act against God's will. They have also rebelled against God. And there are many hints and um, pictures of what happened, but it seems that, and it's it's only very tentative, it seems that Satan, a great angel, tried to usurp God's place and was therefore cast down, bringing with him a large number of angels who are against God's will. At the, and those angelic um, forms, um, invisible spirits, are at work in the world, creating problems, creating difficulties. So, for example, last night, um, I just could not sleep. I was assailed in my mind. I, was, I, I had a sore throat. I, was, I thought, I'm not going to be able to speak. I'm not going to be able I was... I had fear, and I believe that was down to demonic attack on me, because this morning, Paul's not here, Sam's not here, uh, Kevin's away, some of the core leadership team, I'm here, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it today. But I prayed, God, you know, in in my sort of misery, oh God, help me. It's half past three in the morning. I'm sat there going, I'm never going to be able to even open my heart. I'm going to be like a dead man walking. And um, thank God he is good and he's helped me and raised me up this morning. So I'm saying there are spiritual forces at work. And for, as a Christian, you will be opposed. You will be opposed, but not for all time. Oh, no, 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 no. Not for all time, because at the end of time, Jesus is going to come again. And he is going to destroy every opposing spirit, every angelic, demonic force that is opposed to him. It says that he will overthrow them by the glory of his coming and the breath of his mouth. They're going to be destroyed. That is great. So, we will live forever in a perfected heavens and perfected earth without any assailment from the evil one. And that is great. That's God's mission, to restore all things through Jesus. And Peter says this, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. If you, if you don't know, you may be here for the first time, you've not heard this stuff before. It's like, I've not, you know, I'm a, not a Christian, I don't, I've, I've not heard this stuff. I hope this sort of stuff is like, kind of making you think, man, maybe there is more to life. Maybe death, maybe this isn't how it's meant to be. And it isn't how it's meant to be. And if you're a Christian today, I hope I'm restoring something of your vision for your life. That it's not, it's not a temporary thing, it's an eternal thing, and it's heading for an eternal destination. And what you do on earth is very important because you will be rewarded in that eternal place. Okay? You will be rewarded in that place for what you do as a Christian on the earth. That's really important, you know that. Let me read to you from Revelation 21. Jesus, God, comes again and it says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. It's beautiful. I'm making everything new. My final point is this, the cross cross is the cost of God's mission. Colossians 1, 19 and 22 says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on heaven or things on earth, by making peace through his blood. Now blood in the Bible represents not a cut, it represents death and life. When blood is given in the Bible, it's talking about a death being given. When blood is given, a death is given. The Bible makes it clear. Now, this is from the Bible. You can say, oh, well, I don't believe in the Bible. Okay, fine, but I do. So, the Bible says that the wages of what we do wrong is death. So, a death has to occur if you've done anything wrong. Not according to your will, not not if you've done something wrong against your will, but against God's will. If you've done anything wrong against God's will, the wages of that is death. So if you've done anything wrong, guys, your wages are are death. But we just read, didn't we? That God, in Christ is reconciling to himself all things by his blood shed on the cross. In other words, his death takes your death. He's, he has swallowed your death in the cross. Isn't that great? That is wonderful. Through his blood shed on the cross. 22, verse 22. Now he has reconciled you, brought you back by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. Christ's physical body through death. So God, the Father, wants to restore you. He wants to restore all things. Mankind has sinned. The wages of sin is death. How do we solve the problem? Well, God, in Christ, descends from glory. Jesus, God the Son, takes death upon himself so mankind can live. And through some mystery, his death also takes the curse on creation that will be undone when he comes again. So it's all about Jesus. Do you want to go to heaven? It's all about Jesus. You say, I haven't been good enough. I know you haven't. You deserve death. I know you haven't been good enough. No one has. Jesus is your sacrifice. It's wonderful. The eternal God, the creator, as we read, the sustainer, the Holy One should bear with us, but more than that, should save us by suffering and dying for us. Jesus says this in John chapter 12, 
My heart is troubled. And wouldn't your heart be troubled if you were about to go to the cross and bear the weight of our sin upon himself? But what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this very reason I came. For this very reason, to restore all things in heaven and on earth. You, me, and many, many, many hundreds are yet to be touched by this gospel. Do you see God's will for you to be restored to him, to live for him, to know him, to experience his love? Are you suffering? If you've got any heart, you are suffering. Maybe not personally, but someone you know is, therefore you are. Everyone is experiencing suffering. But you know what? There is a hope and future. Are you doubting his love and commitment to you? Well, he never gives up. His desire is to restore you. Are you living as a missionary? Are you living as a missionary? Because God's will is to restore all things. And through his body, through you, he wants to restore all things. Through us. Through us, he, the message goes out and others are restored through us. You are the light of the world, church. A city set on a hill. Let your light shine before men. Through us, many, many others will be brought back and be restored to God. That is his will. Let's stop together. Stop together. You understand? I think it will be great to respond to what we've heard. (sighs) Father, we love you. Thank you for your mercy in restoring us to yourself. Thank you. There is grace for everyone to be restored to the Father. I pray this morning that you would reveal your love to us, to all of us here. I pray for the town of Hastings, the surrounding towns, Bexhill, Westfield, Battle, Rye. Father, we pray for your gospel and good news to go out, that things aren't as they're meant to be, and there can be hope for everyone. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you you're coming again. Would you build us into a church that has compassion and passion to reach out to others. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song, um, I See the King of Glory Coming, and I think it just summarises something of what I've been trying to communicate.